Welcome to Licked and Loaded, everybody. I'm Laura Desiree, and let's go back to the early 2000s, a time where a phenomenon was happening in the literary world. An author by the name of J.T. Leroy absolutely captivated both the general public and the realm of the super elite celebrities of the world. J.T. Leroy was this young author with an incredible background in child prostitution, uh, immensely painful uh, abuse, and uh, was a voice for so many people that came together to celebrate the strength it took for JT to, to confess, to share, and to make these aspects of his young and terrifyingly troubled life public. Uh, by 2006, uh, JT Leroy was unveiled, unmasked, to actually be penned by Laura Albert residing in San Francisco, California. Now, obviously, this made for immense controversy, incredible uproar. Uh, so many of the readers and fans and followers of JT were confused and uh, unsure of, of how to now relate to these books and these stories that meant so much to them. Today we are sitting down to chat with the sensational Laura Albert for an intimate update on exactly how life has been and how it's continuing to unfold. to be introducing and sitting down to chat with the incredible Laura Albert. Hello. <laughs> we already had our fun. We did. We've had a lot of fun even uh, before we started hitting the record button and getting this thing going. It's so good to see you. It's beautiful to see you too. Always. We, we go, we go back. It's like 10 years plus now, which is kind of a wild thing. I'd say almost 10 years. It seems longer. Actually. I know. Wow, like 10 years. And right away when I met you, it was just like, um, it's funny, the star that I was there, I was like, I, I have not kept in touch with, I didn't have the time of day for because she did not seem uh, genuine to me. But right away, I have like a sense of when I'm around someone who is a, a human being. You and I, what I love about chatting with you is that it's never chit chat, small talk, bullshit, and it never has been. We both know the rules to their games, but they don't know the rules to ours. Yeah. And we both know how to get down into the, the truth of, uh, of what's important. And that's one thing I love about you is you can play in other realms, right? but you always keep grounded where a lot of people start buying the bullshit, you know? And I think that's why you're so successful is because it's, it's someone can come for the smoke and mirrors, but you're, you also have the added uh, humanity that people sense. So it's kind of like, it, it reminds me when I went to Deadwood, South Dakota, they were trying to do all this gourmet food, but they were using, um, 
all their ingredients were just like basic, like nothing organic, just right. pretty basic, like everything. And it didn't matter that they were doing these fancy recipes because the ingredients were just so uh, generic and pesticided out and just Yellow. like flavorless. Yeah. It, it didn't matter. So it's, it's that kind of thing. Like it has to be from radiating from a true spot inside. You can't fake that. I mean, I'm, I'm reading right now a book about the art of seduction and being the best seducer in the world. So it goes through the history of, you know, some of the great seducers, whether that's Errol Flynn or whether that's Casanova and a shit ton of women too. Cleopatra actually starts the book, but it takes this certain ability to almost have that Terminator screen in your mind when you're interacting with another person to kind of break down everything that's that's inside of them to see what's inside of them and and see how you can work with that or manipulate that and that's not just for malicious purposes but do you think that you you do some of that i know i do some of that when i'm interacting with someone i can kind of cut right in and pull out where i guess their soft spots may be within almost a few seconds of chatting with them you know i i guess it it really depends what the motive is. I mean, I'm always looking how to connect. Mm. And I, to me, it's like accepting often that there is no point of connection. And to look at why do I feel a need to connect? Like I'm, even when I call a, um, like a, a customer service line i'm looking for that human connection you know i wanted to catch up our audience and remind them that yes we've had absolute huge amounts of uh articles written trying to unpack jt there have been movies that have come out one of them being a documentary in 2018 uh, a, a film by director justin kelly came out which oh. i know was not <laughs> did not involve you in any of the capacity that would be required to depict someone's life. But Laura Dern plays you in this movie. And I want to know, have you seen it yet? Because I went to see it. Yeah, I, I, I saw an early screener of it and I actually was falling asleep during it. I watched <laughs> it once. The script had been leaked to me and I knew what to expect. Um, you know, it could have been something that was, it could have been something, but nobody has any motive so it takes a great story and it basically makes it pretty boring I mean what's really telling is that Kristen Stewart this past the last the next year she was at um Toronto yeah. and the interviewer said oh you've been here many times and they're talking to her she had been there the year prior and she started mentioning all these other movies and she left the JT one out oh wow so it's like when you watched it, was there any reaction to Laura Dern playing you? I mean, I I know you. I don't know Laura Dern. And watching that, to me, I thought there was such a an immense amount of humanity missing. But is that just the way Hollywood chooses to depict things? Well, I mean, it depends who is writing it and who is telling the story. I mean, you can take a bunch of facts and it depends how you're putting the spin on the facts, as we know from every situation that happens, uh, whether it's fictional, well, 
in general. I mean, everything's fictional. Um, but basically there's, there's no deep understanding of um, trauma and how, and a motivation for doing something that's informed by trauma. So it's just kind of a lark. It's just kind of, so basically what's interesting to me is anyone who has gone through trauma, which um, is, a, is a word that's just kind of thrown out, but who, especially when you're young and you've gone through physical and sexual abuse. And so a child's sexuality is sacred. And I think, you know, there's a sense a child has of innately of their own uh, boundaries. And when that's invaded and an adult um, tells them, uh, spins the, the direction of what they know, you know, so north is south, everything, it impacts everything, absolutely everything, who they are, how they feel, how they uh, hold themselves in the world. And it takes a very long time, if ever, to try to regain that sense of um, safety in the world, especially the time period for me. Um, I think maybe now kids growing up, depending where they are, there's more of an understanding and a voicing of what is not okay. Your books in particular, uh, Heart is Deceitful, we're talking about some very specific, very unforgettable and, and challenging to read kinds of cruelty. A lot of it in the depths of sexuality, a lot of it happening to a very young narrator. Um, I'm curious what your relationship is to sexuality today. I'm very clear about what happened to me and what happened to other people, but I just actually wrote for, uh, I don't like the word memoir. Um, it's just, it's pretentious. Kind of bloomers. My grandma used to say bloomers, and I was like, can't you call it panties? <laughs> you know, it's like, I prefer like, the, the big fullback cottons. I'm there cotton, too. <laughs> cotton. You know, I get belly button. I guess I do wear bloomers, not fucking panties. Um, I mean, panties, you kind of think of like, you know, I mean, I remember like I would sell my panties uh, and, you, you know, they weren't buying, they weren't buying bloomers. No. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about trauma, yes? Sexuality, okay. sexuality. Hey, part of the thing about when you become so sort of um, broken, you're, it's not sacred. So I can, I can kind of, gauge when someone reads the heart is deceitful and they tell me they read it all the way through without stopping i'm like you went through some trauma basically i say you're fucked up i mean not fucked up but fucked up shit happened to you okay so like when shirley manson the singer of garbage she told me i read it all the way through i'm like honey you you went through some pain because the proper response to that book is to read a little bit and go oh my god this is unbearable. I mean, there's some humor in it, mostly towards the end where yeah. like, cause I took a writing break. I wrote the heart first, but it was just raw. And it was for me to own what had happened to me in my body. Um, 
<clears throat> I'm writing about right now, getting back to what I was talking about, in being in foster care. So that means being removed from my family, um, becoming a ward of the state. So the New York, New York City took over my, um, uh, what is it called? The parental rights. And um, I was placed in the care of uh, a group home. And so there's a, a foster care mother who I called my mother, Stella Okalue. And um, there's actually a video of me with her on YouTube where she came to one of the screenings of uh, author the JT Leroy story, the documentary about my work by Jeff Fierzig. And um, she, she talks about um, being my mother in the group home. But the thing is, my job in the group home was to tell, to tell the story of everyone. That's the only thing sometimes that keeps people alive and safe. And it's the same thing to protect children and protect programs that actually work is to have people know. And Stella got right away that needing to know not only our stories, but what actually could work. When I was outed, all the media that, um, how they looked at me was through a capitalistic patriarchal lens. So they had, they did not have a trauma informed approach to truth seeking. So for them, it was like, oh, you did this because you want to meet Madonna. You know, you did this because you want money, you want fame. And it's like, if they had seen it through, th that was their motives, right? But if you turned it upside down, like, oh, you did this because your sexuality was taken from you as a child, your ability to know your body, to feel your body, to understand why you do certain things, um, it was completely absent. And the only way to have a voice was, you know, what, what was the what was the standard of beauty? Was it's like a, a little flaxen-haired, blonde-haired little boy. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the reason why JT was a flaxen-haired little boy? I could remember I, I always told myself, I put myself to sleep with stories where it was boys that were um, the stories of like fairy tales. You know, they were always blonde hair, uh, blue-eyed. They were the epitome. It was made very clear from after school specials. People don't even know what that is anymore. Shows they, you know, you where they- Google them. <laughs> right. In, in the act of reading, the works of JT, it's intense. And I want in your own words to tell us what it was like to write JT's story. Was that something that came out of you all in one? Was that something that came out of you in emotional uproars? What was that journey like to even put that to paper? Well, there wasn't, um, JT didn't exist until after Sarah was written. <clears throat> there were many boys. so. But that iteration, who was Terminator, um, I, it, what was it like? It, yeah. it would come to me, like often it, I would dream about it. And then it was just like this, this story. They all kind of thread together. I will never write the way I did, like The Heart is Deceitful. That was very, very raw, very, very raw. When we put that book out after, Sarah and my craft had 
grown in that space between the heart and Sarah. And when I went back to edit, I thought, you know, I can't fuck with this because I'm going to take out too much. I mean, there's writing choices that I definitely wouldn't make now. But, you know, I was in my 20s. I got, you know, when I was out it, I was called middle-aged writer, no fuckhead. I actually wrote that in my 20s and it's incredibly raw. Um, it's about as honest as I can get. I, I get the emails from people all the time about saying that these things happen to them. If you read the new introduction of Sarah, I say, I, I said, this book is for you. These things happen all the time. And I wrote this for you, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it was just like an opening and a play. I wrote them by hand. I have the originals. Um, it's funny how we, I didn't know how to type. So I had some phone sex clients who would fucking type them for me. So this one guy would get dressed up and he was uh, a cross-dresser. And he'd go into the garage and his wife didn't know. One time he fucking used, he used balloons and he had filled them up with oil, okay? And then it was a big fucking thing because the oil, the motor oil, I guess, dissolved the fucking leak. God, no shit. No shit. Oh my and God. He big, and he's like, oh, mistress, I'm going to be a little delayed. <laughs> And he had to explain to his wife why. Oh, so the, the, they came across, they came, everybody had a little bit of being JT Leroy. I mean, again, this was before JT, but yeah, because wow. I was doing phone sex at the same time. Wow. It's amazing how much of life can run simultaneous, you know? You can well, that's how I found out about, um, lot lizards i was doing phone sex and i had this guy who was a truck driver and again you know some clients they just want to come and hang up and god bless you know but there are some who you feel like there's they're they're just they're human beings you yeah. know and they just want to they've got interesting stories and i'm always interested and um after he discharged he was a truck driver and i, I was really interested in, and he was very amazed that he, he had never had someone after like ask him more questions about his life and then he started telling me about bot lizards and again this was completely off the radar so this had to be in the um the er, the mid or early 90s and he's telling me about lot lizards and that whole truck stop world. And yeah. I love these little pockets that were unexplored. I mean, that was like, just for me, that's like exciting. So um, as I learned more and more, I just, I just would kind of put it in my backpack. And then yeah. I was doing for the web magazine, which became the Webby Awards, I did the sex uh, column. So I reviewed um i had to review well first it was 20 sex sites oh a, a month so imagine it was loading in 28 days like, and i had to check out every page every broken link and it's like da, 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 watching like seeing a woman sucking off an elephant like it was a wild west my friend who started she was one of the adult check starts remember adult check yeah so for those who don't know adult check was you know, first there was the Wild West. Everything was on the fucking web. So they came up with a way to like 
say, oh, this site is safe because we've checked it out. So it was a way to get sex sites right. sites to feel safer from the FBI raiding right. them. So they would check every site. So she would call me up and she'd be like, oh my God, Laura, you won't believe what's on this fucking site. And I talked to her and we the shit that was up. I mean, I think if I hadn't gone through trauma, a, a normal person, normal, normal, normal. Because I feel like I have to, you know, to just get to normal. I start out any situation. I'm like, I pray, let me just keep my tail in. Let me just keep it. I think that's why we connected right away because it's like, oh, you got a tail too. Massively. (laughs) No, I know. Because it's like, you can see that look in the eye of someone like, oh, you know. And it's like, um, it's, it's like if you can frame it, okay, well, I'm neurodiverse. And it's like, often sometimes it's like they're if they'll if I'm like oh there's movies about me oh you're famous oh well, that's okay you know famous and it's like or, or you're an artist oh that's okay it's right. like um okay whatever makes you happy but yeah I'm 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 different well I'm still contemplating the split of general oh, web oh, into dark oh, web and oh, <laughs> okay so this wasn't even the dark web so this was like no I know this is you, before that shit so, so I did I did, I did it for the web magazine, all the sex sites I did. And that was everything from health to porn to, I actually wrote the first article on push technology of the adult check, the first article. And I did that for Rolling Stone on, and, um, and then I ran a, it wasn't called podcast. It was called Frank talk with Laura Albert. It was a a precursor of podcasts. And this was like, uh, let's see, probably. 95 or something like that yeah six and then um i did reviews for rolling stone and then i also did it for avn and i was actually making a name for myself laura victoria this sexpert you know you had this role of sexpert but the thing was it was a lie agreed upon that uh, when when I would interview the people behind these big sex sites, they were all these MBA businessmen. They were either straight up mafia or they were like um, MBA business guys, right? When I would talk to the girls, um, a lot of sad stories, like pretty much everyone had some kind of uh, trauma. And I mean, it's like what Chris Rock said, if you know your your daughter has on the four inch uh, five inch, you know, see-through heels and is on the pole, you fucked up as a father. Now, I don't, I don't think that's a, a rule, but in my, my limited experience, um, the more, the easier it is to monetize your sexuality, there's usually underneath it some kind of disturbance in someone's sacred sexuality that took place much earlier. And that's so much of the stereotype that people in the industry are working to dispel today. But 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 the thing is that doesn't there are people that had that happen to and some people that didn't, but even if that happened to someone that doesn't mean that they can't still uh make the choice to be in the industry. You know, right. I mean it it's it's like uh there are super fun sites that you know uh love canal is now people live there again i mean it's it's 
doesn't mean that uh, it, everything is is oh well your your sexuality was taken from you as a child so we must protect you from your it's like somebody it's the same argument of of that someone is is uh l is part of the the lgbtqt community because something was done to them you know it's the same type of thing yeah so. that's that's exactly it's exactly uh, uh, applicable and mirrored in the porn industry because I spend most of my work week actually doing these interviews with porn performers, adult content creators, and it's almost the number one thing that comes up is that why do we always have to be attached to daddy issues or some kind of trauma based uh, origin story just because we choose to share our sexuality in this way monetize our sexuality in this way present our sexuality in this way. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's so much easier to to put it on the backs of women, and I mean that was a big discussion in the feminist community, and still is, and and not actually take a look at how it where we're really seeing it in terms of how we handle race in this country, you know, and and epigenetic. Uh, 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 trauma, you know, how it will years and generations and generations of trauma and how that affects people um, in, in the expression of gene going through uh, a systematic oppression in terms of. Would you say all the cruelty of the world is interconnected? Yeah. Are you asking me, did I say it or do I think it? Do you think it? I was thinking about yes. this the other day. Just yeah, you cannot. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, we're seeing that with COVID. We're seeing that with global warming, with the crisis, everything. Absolutely. There's there. It's a butterfly flap. That's why I also believe that no story is too small to tell. And I, I think at the same time, you can't. You can't. It's sort of like. Um, in, in strategies of telling stories like uh, just because of a sex worker went through sexual abuse, you can't then say, well, it never happens and it's not an issue, right? Because we know that someone who goes through physical and sexual abuse is more likely to be victimized and trafficked, right? Um, because you are, right away you think that trade is what you have to do like when i was in the group home for instance there was we were sent to like shitty the shitty hospital i always get it mixed up mount zion or uh anyway the the pretty girls uh the classically cute pretty girls often got molested so the student doctors they had student doctors there would like touch their clit and do things like that right and, but they had more time spent on them, right? They got more attention. Yeah. And in my brain that equated to, okay, so that's the price you pay. If I was pretty enough to be molested to get care. So when I've been in situations where somebody wants to make a trade sexual for something that I can't afford to me, that's like, oh, great, you know? And it's only very recently that it was like, wait a second, you know, wait a second. I don't have to do that. I don't have to. I can choose to do that. Right. 
if I want to, but this is something that I need to choose. For instance, when I, in the documentary um, author, the JT, the Roy story, you see where I get this call to go to the HBO show Deadwood, right? Yeah. And it really was like that. I was watching it and it was very strong, um, go to Deadwood, go to Deadwood. And so I reached out and it, it was very complex because I had, um, oh wait, is this the posture? Thank you so much. I needed it for my lower back. Oh. Yeah, yeah, right? I'll show you a stretch later that I, can't I just wait. Know, it really helps. Anyway, um, and anyway, I ended up meeting David Milch, the creator behind uh, Deadwood, who was just um, phenomenally, uh, he was my mentor, he is my mentor, and he saved my life. But at the time I met him, if he wanted me to suck his dick until my eyes popped out, I would have, you know, whatever the trade would have been. The fact that that was not required, that, that wasn't even on the table, that didn't even enter into the equation, that it was just, he read my work and he said, you have a directly linked to the unconscious. It is, it, it's a moral obligation to um, protect you and to help nurture your, he basically understood I was a mystery onto myself, like a lot of the characters on Deadwood. And he protected me through some uh, hurricane, uh, some occurrences that I don't even know how I survived and my son as well. Um, but the fact, it, and, and it was very moving, but it was also scary to me because, okay, you're just doing this because of why? Because, you, because I'm enough? Don't you know I'm not enough? You know? If, I, if, I, if it's sexual, then I understand it. Yeah. Then it's a trade, right? Because we don't believe that we are enough. And if there's not some kind of trade, how does someone genuinely, but, but I know you and I would go out of our way to be there for somebody without. There are people that need to know that there's relationships that can exist, not based on what you're going to do for someone sexually. How do you begin that journey? Well, I think that's part of the sickness of our culture and, and the capitalist patriarchal culture is it's all, everything is based around a, the worth. Um, everything is around how it affects capitalism and your worth. Um, so it's very hard, you know, for a long time, I was removed from that because I was morbidly obese. That's part of my story. And in a way that that was good protection because it, it kept me because I felt so removed from any sexuality. Being morbidly obese, people have um, in surveys, they said they would rather lose a limb than be morbidly obese. I mean, it, it's held in, you're, you're, you're not even considered human. I think as we've seen more representations of large people in the media, we have now moved away from this, um, terror of people we they didn't even make clothes the idea was just we just make something for you to like cover your body it's forget about it being fashionable or something that is or sexual or yeah. anything it's just you put a fucking muumuu on that thing and for me it it wasn't 
being having a large body just kind of completely removed that from the uh, equation. So when somebody was kind to me, I really didn't understand it because it's like, I'm, how are you being nice to me? I'm like, I was the physical manifestation of like a monster, you know? And I was invisible. So then when I, I did have weight loss surgery, which is not a magic fix, it's actually causes a lot of side effects. And it doesn't, there are a lot of people who have weight loss surgery and regain their weight, it's very possible. But it, it gave me enough of a, a break to put in um, other behaviors. Yeah. And also I think having, uh, this boy kind of out of my body and being able to like see him out there and like a puppet and the having the words it was a combination it wasn't just a marionette avatar but it was having him interact in the world um having i was speedy who was the kind of um advocate for this boy having going inside and doing the work of writing and telling the story uh freed me up to kind of move into myself i wouldn't say that i'm i'm very aware of my sexuality or my i have there are, there's a lot of problematic um look if i could if i could snap my fingers and look like an androgynous uh uh girl or boy i would you know I, when I lost weight, I had a lot of hanging skin and I had to make the decision of it, of just like, a, you know, way to go. And it's, it, I, I went away, you know, I mean, I went, I, I, yeah. I went back, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm so, so looking forward to the next piece that you put out, however it embraces and encapsulates this journey. Uh, anything that is a reflection from your perspective is precious. And I'm so excited for what's to come for you. For our viewers who are watching and listening and so desperate to know how they can get in touch with you and learn more, Laura, what are those websites they need to know? Uh, it's lauraalbert.org. Um, and there's a newsletter you can subscribe we don't uh, we don't sell your information or sell you panties um <laughs> we sell penis bones not not silver ones but we sell we sell penis bones i should have brought mine i have mine I too know, i have yeah I have a penis bone we sell books that's right um, there's the new editions and we and we have you did an amazing you did a reading that's just so beautiful and uh of 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 one of the you do toy box toy right box. yeah yeah and that and that's a very Winona Ryder did that in the hardest as he thought and that's a that's a really great story I'm very proud of that one because it's the idea of here are people trying to help a child who's gone through some abuse but they are traumatizing the child they're so trying to get to this idea of help that they're not seeing who is before them yeah. they're not seeing what's going on you know yeah. and you you uh, you approach that from inside because obviously you know and yes yeah you know i've and, been and when, i've been the 10 year old who is desperately trying to be helped by everyone surrounding 
being a motherless daughter way too early in life, but also, you know, stacking on the five years of living in hospitals, watching this undoing of my mother, yeah, is highly relatable. I had all kinds of people come in to quote unquote parent. A lot of the times it was just me that had to parent, but you know, it's it was very relatable as a story and in that very sincere and intimate pain. And that's why when it came my way and you said, hey, Laura, come do a chapter of this audiobook. I mean, it was the therapeutic experience. It was powerful. It was profound. Really you were able to really access and bring that into your performance. And, um, and that's the thing. It's like taking along, you, you invite people to celebrate being within their body and being within their sexuality and the play and joy and the celebration of a woman owning her power and sensuality and while also you know doing that work underneath the water of what what you need to sort out right that that it isn't just all um free and clear yeah. as because everything in our culture is extremely complex you know and, so, and that's that's what elevates you to not being someone who is um, a victim of the system, you know, a, 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 or um, ex, uh, an exploited uh, sex worker, you know, the cliche exploited sex worker. Yeah, yeah. It's been so wonderful having you in for this this chat today, this episode. It's it's very special to me. And where can people so hear your audio story? <laughs> oh, well, you have to go to lauraalbert.org. <laughs> Um, is that where they can find an audio uh, or is yeah. it on Black, Blackstone Publishing? Yeah, and I think it's um, going to be on all platforms uh, That's right. pretty soon. That's right. So well, we'll be sure to share those links and get those out because it's a project I'm so honored to have been a part of. And it's wonderful having you here today, Laura. Thank you so much. I love you very, very, I'm I looking love, forward to seeing you soon. I love you very much and I can't wait to see you. You are, yeah, I think you're the only reader that I actually made out with. Yeah, no, that, and we have video, you guys. We have video. Yeah, video. It was a beautiful San Fran afternoon. The sun was out, our tits were out. It was perfect. I love that. We'll do a New York version of it too, okay? Yeah, I, my friends call me slut mouth. It's like, Above the waist, it's like, it's like I take everything in. <laughs> I, take, I explore with my. Are you my mommy? I I have been to the samples at the farmers market with you. I know that's true. Oh, you have some of this. So let me get some of that. Can, is this a chocolate? Is this a piece of? Like, we went crazy, and I loved every second of it. I love you so much. Please take care of yourself. Okay. I'll see you here soon, okay? This has been a CAM4 radio production. Come say hi at www.cam4radio.com.